you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I am your host, Sarah Sin, or Sin for short. Here with me is my minion of evil and my partner in crime, Nathaniel. Hi, everybody. Again, on our show, for new listeners, we don't just talk about horror movies and our love for them, which we do anyways. We also try to bring in the element of horror and history and try to see how the horror movie we're watching reflects society's fears or actually really what's going on in society and in history at the time, I guess. Mm-hmm. And since I'm a psychology major, we also try to bring in the element of mental health, whether it be how a specific horror movie or horror movies in general be therapeutic or how the horror movie we're watching again reflects mental health or psychology in any way so that's what we try to do here on the show Mm -hmm. so we're continuing our we kind of started this month doing our kind of like own horror history and this month is our the 30s and we're going to continue with each month dedicated to another decade Mm -hmm. so we're still in the 30s and we're doing 1933's uh king kong Mm mm-hmm and then again, I'm sorry if I mess up on anyone's names. Directed by, is it Marion C. Cooper? Yep. Uh, Ernest B. Shodzik? You know, that's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> Starring uh, Faye Ray as Ann Darrow. Listed as John Driscoll, but they call him Jack throughout the entire movie. So I've been referring to him as Jack. The mm-hmm. whole, so I don't know why, but Jack. Frank Riker as Captain Engel, Engelhorn, Sam Hardy as Charles Weston. So this one for horror history has got uh, quite a bit of, um, well, undertones, as I call isms. A lot of isms are in this one, mm-hmm. at least that I caught on. And they kind of, I had a hard time picking out actual like psychology and mental health because I feel like what we're going to be talking about kind of overlaps in that area too with the horror in history. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go over everything together this time instead of separating them. So again, we got some escapism, uh, the same as what I said, la- I think it was last week. Um, this escapism was more of like taking people away to a faraway land, exotic lands, kind of remo- letting them take that little vacation, removing yeah. them from the situation for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And by it, you know, seeing the movie and experiencing something else. So, escapism. So, we're definitely going to have some racial undertones, racism. This is a big thing that when I looked this up online to actually study a little bit, uh, racism and colonialism came up every single time. Mm-hmm. And I watched, I forgot the name of the movie, I, the show I watched, uh, Black Noir, the history of like horror, Black horror. Horror Noir. Yeah. Horror Noir. Thank you. Yeah. I watched that one, took some notes, and then I watched Eli Roth's Horror and History or History of Horror specifically on this movie. So I wanted to make sure that I caught up on everything so that mm-hmm. I can talk about this the right way. So I picked up on those. I knew those were to look for. Um, I also picked up a lot of like sexism or se- being sexist. Like the first 30 minutes of the movie, I was just like, yeah, oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can we just stop for five minutes? Yeah. like women bashing for a minute that would be yeah. great mm-hmm. so there's that and then of course you know which goes into like the fear of the unknown or the fear of the other uh, another thing mentioned um there's metaphors and symbolism that mimic the slave trade especially kong like chained up being yeah. on display yep. was one so we'll get into that more so i wanted to read just a little bit from this uh a little article i read it's from the times of india and it said, the capturing and chaining of Kong is metaphorically linked to the U.S. slave trade. Racist allegory depicting white America's view of Black people at the time. Colonialism, a team of explorers invade Skull Island. Kong is taken, shackled, and transported to a different world for amusement and profit of the white people. So that was just yeah. one of the articles. I read a bunch of them to try to keep up, but I wanted to read a little bit of one. Mm-hmm. So with that is also like, that means it's like exploitation, oppression, desperation there's fear paranoia definitely some narcissism on carl denham's part you know i was like infatuation and then i wanted like is there some bestiality in this movie because <laughs> but not really but it's just like kong's infatuated in, with it. yeah not in this version yeah oh not in this version cool yeah. okay because i've never i only saw bits and pieces of the peter jackman see i don't even know who jackson, yeah remake. yeah that one gets weird <laughs> but yeah um, I probably missed a lot. I just 
that's kind of the ones I was picking up on. I just noticed that everything was kind of overlapping with this movie. So yeah. So I yeah. Uh, I don't know where you want to start because I just separate everything by isms. Sure. Uh, and, yeah. I mean the 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 racial allegories. I mean, I suppose we could we should just get that out of the way. Um, yeah. Because while I I mean while I can see that take, I don't think it's actually as pronounced as some as others might uh, might think it is. But. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yes, there's obviously allegories to uh, uh, you can make that connection today from what my research is, says that. And again, uh, artist intent is is the antithesis of good analysis. But uh, apparently it was completely un, uh, 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 unintended to okay. be uh, the directors themselves have gone on record, apparently, as saying uh, the people made the film saying that it was never uh, never in their minds uh, to discuss uh that element um Mm -hmm. in fact the the kong story was more or less inspired by some komodo dragons that were taken from i think the galapagos and put in a zoo and they died shortly thereafter and it was just sort of like they couldn't adapt uh and so their idea was we take a wild you know beast or monster Mm -hmm. from its natural environment you put it into 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 a world that doesn't understand it ends up getting killed by the modern world um and uh but yes, uh, obviously, I mean, you can't watch this movie in the 21st century and not see the colonialism aspects, um, right. uh, in particular in the way that uh, that uh, Carl Dunham and his, his people come to the island and uh, basically just make themselves at home, do whatever they want. Uh, they disrespect the they kind of disrespect the natives and they do capture Kong and, and take him away from his native land. And that's uh, which was not even originally the plan. It was uh, the plan was to shoot him, uh, was right. to film him. Uh, but then they're like, well, we knocked him out. We can take him back. And, you know, uh, how they do that uh, is anybody's guess. But it was a movie yeah. made in the 1930s. So nobody really cared. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so yes. And obviously, yes, like him on the platform in Chains is definitely, um, it would be in the 21st century reminiscent of uh, slave auctions. Yeah. Um, I just, I mean, I just, I was reading stuff and when I sure. watched Black no- the Horror Noir, I was just, I wanted to make sure that I picked up on it. Yeah. I want to make sure that I could see it too, because it is a big aspect because it is talked about a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I also think the colonialism, not just with African-Americans, but also uh, mimics, I saw a lot too of Native Americans, because, you know, they're coming into Skull Island yeah. and they're like, hey, since we're here, we're going to do whatever we want. We're yeah. going to take over. We're actually going to take someone from here and we're going to put them somewhere else and you can't do anything about it. I mean, yeah. there's even a part where Jack, I wrote it down now, I don't know where I put it, but he even was like, oh, them and their heathen ways, like, yeah. ooh, yeah. you know, now we got to come in and probably christianize these people too because their ways are not our ways and right you know that was a lot of what they did here in america with the native americans yep um i caught on to that too so not only what they did to the african-americans they also did you know i caught on to the colonialism part of being able to be metaphor or symbol symbolic of what happened here to the actual native americans too so for me i picked up on that Mm -hmm. just you know, because I know that when they look at the natives in the movie and they're like, they made them, you know, I forgot what she said, but like traditional, you know, they didn't really study what actual, you know, a native ceremony or, you know, yeah. anything. They just were like, this is what we think these people do. So this is what we're going to have them do. Yeah. So, which, you know, I understand where people could be like, ah, because, you know, not just with Native American cultures, but a lot of other cultures, and I know a lot of African cultures, you know, ceremonies and rituals are very important. They're right. a very big thing. So to see that on t- on a movie, feeling like, oh, you're mocking us, would be the same as someone mocking someone who's Christian or Catholic being mocked for their religion. Right. So I can see the, for me, I can see a little bit that that being disrespectful too, towards another yeah. culture, because, you know, these are very rituals and ceremonies are very sacred to a lot of different tribes and ethnicities and yeah. you know to be seen like that would be like you know yeah to well, me, you know does that make were... sense i feel like that's, i sound really stupid right now no no it does <laughs> they uh and yeah i mean like those those cultures weren't probably weren't killing people this one was but uh you know they were they've been feeding kong women for a while apparently um but um 
but yeah, I mean, and that's what I mean is that yes, the the the, the depiction of the, I mean, that even then, I find myself thinking, found myself thinking when watching it that uh, that could be a lot worse uh, because other films around this period would have just used white people in blackface for those True. particular roles, and I was like, well, at least they're all actual black people um, yeah. versus uh, you know other films of the time. Uh, probably this had, that had to do with more budget because and uh, to talk about what this film does well i mean there's some absolutely extraordinary sequences i mean uh back in the old uh uh american filmmaking epic uh boom in the 1930s and stuff in the 90s and the 40s uh just some wonderful sequences and really well designed sets and uh that whole sequence is just mind-blowing um uh i did write a lot about the good things about the movie because i yeah. i think the stop motion animation was pretty i mean it's it's dated now but i still yeah. think they did a pretty good job yeah uh the one thing i really enjoyed about it was you could tell the stop motion was being projected onto a screen yeah while the actors perform in front of it mm -hmm. but in a way i'm like i like that better because they can still see what they're interacting with and see what they're supposed to be a scare, you know, scared, a scared, ooh, scared of or fighting as opposed to with CGI where they're like, hey, look at this tennis ball. Okay, yeah. pretend it's this, you know, where then they digitally, you know, they put it in digitally later. They actually at least got to interact and see what they were interacting with. So I know it's again dated yeah. and old school, but I still enjoyed that because I was like, at least they could interact and really, I mean, to me, I think that makes your acting better because you're actually seeing what well what they what they Ever. saw i'm not sure um but yeah it uh it it could have been projected directly behind them it might have been might have been forced perspective later i'm not certain a lot uh, of it looked projected i don't know i just i did a lot of theater and we had to do stuff like that yeah we had to project things onto a, a screen mm -hmm. in the back yeah so but and then i noticed <laughs> i had to say this i was like you know for a movie made in the 1930s it was very violent and graphic i yeah. think some like, of that was actually cut from the original theatrical release, but yeah, yeah, really? it, it is, yeah. But I mean, like when he, I mean, he straight up murders that T Rex. Like he just, oh yeah, opens its mouth, not rips it apart, but pretty much rips it up. You know, its mouth yeah. open till it dies. Yeah, and then that snake, whatever. It, well, it had legs, so I don't know what it was, but mm -hmm. in the cave, and he straight up, you know, kills that because it's trying to attack. And then there's the pterodactyl. Yeah. And I was just like, this, you know, for, you know, nowadays it, it looks tame, but I kept thinking, I'm like, in the 1930s, like, this is a very graphic, violent movie for its time. Like, it's, I can see where people were like, wow, this movie is, but it's not a bad movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie at all. I, you know, I also right. see why people enjoy it. And I've never seen it. And again, not because I didn't want to, I just... You know, there's thousands of horror movies I haven't seen yet. You well, know? this time, this time was the first. This was the first watch for me. I actually. Oh, really? Had, yep. I had actually never seen King Kong. It was one of the blind spots. I just never gotten to it. I always um, wanted to. Yeah, just yeah. never got around to it. Yeah. It, now, was this Harry House? Is it Harry Housen? Uh, I don't think. Maybe it might have been. I don't. I think that might have been before his time. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, let me see if I can find that information. I should have looked that up, but I, I totally just spaced until like right this second. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is it Harry Housen who did it? Who does like the, the stop motion and made he it like. Was, he was made famous for that. Uh, yeah, let's like see. he was the pioneer for it. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I should have looked that up. I apologize, people, that I did not. But yeah, that was just. One thing I took, I took a note on was the fact that like it was a very. I mean, Kong brutally murders, not murders, but kills these other animals. So I thought that was very, and then there was that scene, um, I don't know where my note is, but I remember it, where he picks up Anne and he starts pulling off her clothes. Yeah. And then he starts like tickling her in a very childlike manner. So I was interested in that one because I didn't see, I, you know, some people I read, you know, took that as like symbolism for assault. But I, I really saw a child trying to you know cause an effect trying to figure something out yeah like a child that picks up a camera and goes i wonder what these buttons do because like he wasn't he you know kept pausing and then pulled the clothes and then kind of stopped and then like started tickling her and then when she started reacting he was like oh she's reacting you know a re reaction mm -hmm. he, he, that's when he kept going so that scene was 
one I was a little interested in. I didn't know how you felt, but I could, I definitely read that some people saw it as, you know, yeah. him assaulting her. Yeah. But I saw, I saw more like a, a, a child, like, because mm. I, I mean, I mean, I also interact with children every single day. I work at a daycare yeah. and they do stuff like that all the time right? because they're still learning and they don't. And then when they're in babies, the first thing they do is shove it in their mouth. Right. Other kids try to take, pull it apart to see how it works. Yeah. So. I mean, I, the, I think within the context, it's one of the things that that really specifically uh, about this film was, as you mentioned earlier, was a, a lot of uh, gender uh, gender discussion happening in this film. That uh, I'm not sure what what was intentional and what wasn't. What uh, what they were really talking about. Um, I think it's something of an indictment towards uh, towards some of that uh, behavior. But uh, but in the case of of uh, that particular scene, I think within the rest of the context of the film, I, I viewed it as very much again, um, uh, like you mentioned last night, uh, you, you sent me a message on Twitter saying that you were, uh, you felt sympathy for Kong. Uh, for me, my sympathy lies with, uh, with Anne in this film. Um, in the sense that she is basically objectified by everyone, including Kong. Um, I mean, to the point where Kong literally is so obsessed with her that he, when he escapes in New York, he goes looking for her. Um, yeah. that, and, uh, in fact, uh, the thing that really, and when you said you had sympathy for Kong, I'm like, Kong, like killed a whole bunch of people on the island, <laughs> um, before he was I ever, know, but he's an animal. These are also instincts. Like, do you get mad at a tiger who attacks a person? Like, but, the, but they've been, uh, but the thing is, is that Kong, unlike a tiger, tigers don't attack for no reason. Kong, I know, uh, I'm just but they but I mean the idea that from the from the word go we've got first of all we open on four guys in a room talking about uh women as if they were basically cattle like we can't we can't take a woman to this island that's that's horrible like what are we you know what's a woman gonna do there we can't you know women must be you know protected from the world and they're like well you know we're still gonna take one um and again any woman not just not just that but they were like um what does he say like um don't even uh the only women on the ship he she'd be the only woman on the ship with the toughest mugs i ever looked at and i'm like all right are you trying to say like she put herself in a situation to be assaulted mm. because she's on a ship full of you know no. scary looking men they're saying she <laughs> like, no they're saying she shouldn't be put into the situation with a bunch of scary looking men because okay uh, that she will she will uh the that she will end up causing the the scary looking men to act upon certain urges. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the idea is that again she moves on to uh, uh, be hired. They, they end up going on to hire Anne, who's stealing food. She's poor. Uh, put her on desperate. the boat. Yeah, and uh, they take her and uh, and Jack basically negs her the whole time. Starts negging her. Yeah, he's um, not very nice to her. No, he's very very mean to her in fact but they fall um yeah and then they fall in love um after he says uh you know uh, after the, yeah you yeah. know after all that uh he basically says you know i i mean to you because i love you and she basically says uh, uh you had me at mean to me so uh, <laughs> um yeah and uh, but anyway yeah the uh but then the idea is that they go to the island and the natives have actually been sacrificing women to kong to keep him at bay because they're terrified of him, which basically suggests that his natural state is to basically just start destroying everything. Um, and so they're, they're like, we're going to, we're going to give women, we're giving, giving Kong women and what happened to those women. We don't know. Um, he certainly doesn't seem to have a collection of them. Um, they're all gone. Uh, but basically the idea is that uh, they are, Doing these human sacrifices to Kong, they see Anne and they want to. They want to buy her. They want to sell. Uh, what was it? Eight of their women for Anne. Um, I'll give you six of my women for Anne. Yeah, yeah. for the Golden Girl. The golden. Yeah. yeah, the Golden. The Golden. Girl. The Golden Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh and they take. And so they. Uh, then when they say no, they come to the boat and they kidnap Anne and, and just tie her. her up. Yeah. Uh, but then the idea is, like I said, Kong immediately, you know, uh, takes her as uh, as a possession and um, and and does toy with her. Uh, and then uh, even to the point where after Kong's captured, he gets to New York, he uh, it, he 
breaks free and when he, he goes after Anne specifically and when he can't get at one point he actually grabs another woman and thinks yes. it's thinks it's uh Anne and it's not and he just like drops her to her death um but i mean though the thing i kept coming back around to was the idea that the natives have been um have been giving kong women because otherwise kong destroys their civilization and so i i can't really get behind the idea that kong is just an animal um now, to a degree, yes, I think he's like a natural disaster. You can't really get mad at an earthquake for being an earthquake. But uh, to, to really suggest, I think, to give him full sympathy uh, doesn't, doesn't work for me personally because I feel like that Kong's natural state is destructive. Um, and so I can't look at him as a child either, uh, you know, with Anne. I, I can only see it as... Um, as possession as as him attempting to uh, uh now what kong understands about women is anybody's guess you know um what what had he been doing with these other women we don't know uh did he eat them did he did he kill them did he what did he do with them because they've been giving him women for a while right. um but we don't know uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess I'd versus the alternative. I'd I hope he ate them. Um, yeah. But, you yeah. know. Uh, but the. But it's still it's still. Uh, um, and the thing is that as soon as Anne is taken from him, even on the island, he goes and immediately goes to start smashing up stuff and kills multiple people uh, in the village. Uh, again, suggesting that the only thing that's kept him from doing that up until now is they've been handing him women. Um. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I guess. So, I mean, from that perspective, I look at the, the idea of, uh, uh, I can't really, uh, I can't look at him as a child in the same way that I wouldn't look at, you know, a Greek God as a child, if they're like going to do a, a human sacrifice to something, uh, that is otherwise destructive. Uh, I, I, I view the, 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 the uh, Kong as a, uh, as a monster. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, I just, I personally didn't really see him as a monster because mm. I mean, sacrificing, especially sacrifice, you know, sacrificing virgins have been around for God knows how many years. Yeah. Not that I agree with it. I've never, you know, that's never been my thing to agree with, but it's right. also not my place to tell another, you know, culture how to do their thing. But mm. so, but yeah, I mean, I, well, what, I tell the, he, any culture that's murdering people, I think we probably should probably put a stop to it. But yeah, I mean, like, um there's but were they fe- were they giving him women because he specifically wanted women or did they just all of a sudden because you know was i guess my question is like if kong was there first that's his home his habitat his territory and then people came on his island i mean mm. why wouldn't he become destructive you know now there's these people that he doesn't even understand and then the people why did they start giving him women was it because he started coming to the village and grabbing women or did they just think let's give them virgin women because that's, that's what really, that would be my gods want yeah you know yeah so is it real is he really a monster because humans made him a monster in a way is how i see it you know he wasn't mm. really you know we don't know the backstory so for me i just don't see a, a i mean monster i just you know in new york i saw a removed from its home its habitat and then placed somewhere else mm-hmm. and then breaks loose because he was scared and you know any animal backed into a corner will fight even yes. a rabbit but any animal so, any animal back into a corner won't seek out the woman that he's claimed possession of right but is it really possession or was it because she was he saw her, you know he never seen a woman like that before so he was intrigued by her yeah because um, he's never seen a golden woman before he's only seen you know african-american women you know dark what hair I'm, dark skin he's never I'm seen a blonde hair blue eyes yeah but there are a billion of them in new york but he but he specifically wanted Anne. um right because he because he recognized her mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know i just you know you know i i always feel bad when they you know remove creature or animals from their habitat i mean i i don't mind zoos that are trying to preserve animals you know so they don't go extinct that's one thing 
But when people just go to, oh, hey, yeah, like you said, the kimono dragons, hey, look at these things. Let's bring them over here. You know, let's remove them from their home. And oh, why they die? How they, what will happen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like domest- trying to domesticate wild animals that shouldn't, the wild animals that shouldn't be domesticated. He's so. got, but that's what I mean is he's got too much agency to be a wild animal. Uh, he, he's thinking too much to be a wild animal. <laughs> I, I mean, to, to, to claim instinct on an animal that's clearly thinking. I mean, he's certainly they, they, the movie goes out of its way to give him more uh, more identity than a, a wild animal like the dinosaurs don't have that. Um, that I just feel like what we have uh, is ultimately uh, another the way I look at it is it's another man that uh, sees Anne as as less and can do whatever he wants with with her. Yeah, I guess so. And, uh, you know, and. You know whether or not his motivations are, are rooted in any sort of actual, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, uh, malice or forethought. I mean, maybe oh. not. Uh, you know, maybe not. But um, I, I feel like from within the context of the film, I what I keep seeing when I watch the film was this is a story about a woman who's being basically objectified on all sides uh well, yeah i mean i saw that whether I mean, it's whether it's civilized that. society or savage society or man or animal mm-hmm. or anything in between and is something that can be uh owned and used um even though like jack well, are most know, societies a patriarch yeah most a lot of i mean native americans aren't we're a matriarch we believed in women but most most societies are a patriarch so i'm not surprised hmm. for that yeah, it, it really. I mean, it doesn't make it right, in my opinion. But yeah. you know, it is. You know, women are definitely. I mean, have you ever actually read the Bible? <laughs> like, I have. Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it's terrible. <sighs> Sorry, I'm trying to find my. I just messed up all my notes. Um, but I mean, if you want to keep going on, like the whole like with Anne, yeah. I mean, the first thing I picked up was like I I said. I don't think I messaged you this, but I was like, oh, I got through 30 minutes. And the whole time I just kept thinking like, wow, this poor woman is just, like you said, objectified and seen as a nuisance. And I think even Jack at one point calls her. Yeah. You don't, she's like, you don't think much about women on ships. He's like, I think they're a nuisance. I'll try not to get in the way. You've been in the way already. Just being around is trouble. And this is the guy she falls in love with. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you all right? She even she actually says, "But, you, but you hate women," and he's like, "Yeah, but you're not women." Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're special. Other than that, uh, yes, a full fledged misogynist. Um, oh, even back in the '30s, the men were throwing that "you're special" line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I mean, that's something that I that's something that I had also thought about. I was I was like, you know, how amazing it is that you know in the 21st century we've we've gone pretty much right back around to the 1930s. In the sense that all of this behavior is is more prevalent maybe than ever in our current historical moment. So I was like, well, that's sobering. Like you know uh, that all of these problem, all this problematic behavior happening in a movie made in 1933 uh, in 2021 is still very much alive and well. Um, but yeah, uh, it's so. I mean, but I, I feel like viewing the film in a modern context it ultimately ends up becoming more uh not satirical but um more of an indictment than i think it probably was intended to be um okay yeah in, in the sense that i i actually found it to be ultimately a relatively positive uh positive experience in terms of of discussing feminism because it's sort of um ridiculous how awful all of these guys are um right. And, uh, so, and I don't, again, I, I doubt it read that way in 33. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not even have read that way in, in you know, uh, it, it was remade in first in the 70s, I believe. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, then I'm, re- I'm remade again by Peter Jackson, where uh, things got really weird, um, where Anne sort of fell in love with the damn ape. And uh, it was kind of strange. Um, but yeah, um, rather than being terrified of the, uh, 50 foot ape, she, she kind of is like, yeah, I guess I'm kind of into this. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, 
which is really kind of ridiculous and awful, but um, but that's Peter Jackson, I guess. But yeah, uh, I've only seen bits and pieces of that one. I know they tried to make him far more, so far more sympathetic. sympathetic. Yeah, yeah, and not so more. I want to say like they try to humanize him almost, like yeah. try to make him a character, not a monster. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I know I've only seen bits and pieces. I saw Kong Skull Island and Kong versus Godzilla. I haven't or whatever. seen those. That's, that's the only two I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the yeah. original Godzilla, of course, way back in the day, but yeah. I haven't seen I've much seen, of the new yeah, ones. I've seen a few Godzilla movies, and this is my first time watching Kong, but I've never seen any other Kong except the Peter Jackson one. And um, I don't remember particularly liking the Peter Jackson one. Um, I think I only saw it once or twice. And it's a it's a hell of a slog, actually. It's like three and a half hours long, and you know, uh, but got a great cast. But uh, uh, it the film also just ended up creeping me the hell out because it was Naomi Watts falling in love with the CGI ape, and I was just sort of a motion capture ape rather. I mean, it was a motion capture suit. Um, but yeah, it got creepy. Yeah, it was. It, I, I only saw bits and pieces. I probably didn't really watch it because, or pay attention because I probably found it boring. Yeah, I just know that I've seen parts of it. I just, I know, but I've, I know that I've never sat actually through the whole movie. Like I can get bored very easily. Yeah. I'll admit that. Jack Black was great, man. Um, but uh, but yeah, Jack Black played um, uh, the filmmaker. Carl Denham. Uh, yeah, yeah, Carl, Carl Denham. Denham. Yeah, and he was good. He was really good in it. Um, I do like. Um, but yeah, in this movie in particular, I mean, I do actually like the character of Carl Denham. Why am I looking at the... Oh, I've got the wrong King Kong up on my IMDb. Um, That's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we wing it here on Sinful Terror. Yeah, but Carl Denham, uh, I do like that character. Um, and uh, he is sort of, sort, of, uh, uh, sort of a self-insertion um, joke at their own expense. Uh because the, uh, the filmmakers who made King Kong had actually made their fortune uh, doing animal pictures. Uh, okay. You know, much like Carl Denham had, which would have been a thing in the very early 30s and uh, late 20s, early 30s of um, escapism, like you said, it would be like nature films mm -hmm. would be released in yes. theaters um, showing faraway places and animals that we don't see here. Um, so, I mean, in ways he was actually designed to be something of a, uh, of a, a self parody on their part. Um, uh, also of filmmakers who would, uh, create a film around their location rather than the other way around. Um, yeah. And he's, he's interesting. Um, uh, other than, I mean, I think other than Anne, he's probably the only character who actually gets any real characterization. Um, I just couldn't tell if I was supposed to like him or not. Like that, like he would do some yeah. things where I was just like, I don't like him. Like, um, very like right off the bat, you know, well, I'm going to go find a girl. And he waits to find the girl who you can tell is not, you know, needs to steal. Yeah. She has to steal food in order to survive. So he's like, he hones in on like, there's a desperate girl. I'm going to take her, you know, but then he does things like, um, when he sees Jack after Jack climbs up out of the cave and he's even like, you know, um, are you going to go get her? Let me go let, wait for me. I'll come help you. But then he's like, no, no, you go back to the ship. Like, yeah. so it's like always like, I could never tell. And then even when Kong is on display and the press comes and they're shooting at their, and you're, you're trying to harm the girl, like, instead of being like, geez, take a picture of me. So I never could tell if I'm supposed to like the man or not because yeah. he would do things like, Oh yeah, yeah. Like, let's film this woman here and put her in a situation that you know, for sake of a movie. But then shows moments where he cares. So I was like, yeah. I just, I mean, I guess I do. I guess for that matter, I do kind of like him because, like you said, he does have a very, you know, more. I don't know, deep, not detailed, but interesting story. Yeah. Or he is more fleshed out as a character. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, am I, are we supposed to, like, as an audience, I'm looking, I'm like, are we supposed to like him? Are we supposed to dislike him? Like, yeah. is he an anti-hero? Like, someone you root for that you shouldn't root for? So that was my only, like, soul, you know? Right. So, yeah. Character. I liked her. I So it wasn't like I didn't dislike anybody in the cast. I think the cast was pretty good. Yeah. So I just thought Jack was kind of bland. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and he was. I mean, in, in very, in very much 1930s uh, leading man style. Uh, a lot of them were very uh, bland, um, uh, as we've talked about well, in the last two films we've talked about. Um, that sort of. Well, like, he was handsome. Yeah. Like that was about it. Like was he was a it. handsome man, but yeah. the character himself was not. You know, oh, what I'm like. I definitely can see if Pen the guy who played Pendrel was a sex symbol because I found that man very attractive. Yeah. In, in, from the 1930s. So yeah, I mean Jack was a very handsome man. I can yes. see maybe why they put him as the leading man, but the character was not well developed. No. I guess is the right word. No, and they didn't they kind of didn't have to be in the 30s. Um uh but yeah, the the kind of the big idea on with that is that the, the leading man is is meant to just sort of be square jawed heroic and not really do anything. Um, okay. but yeah, as we saw in like with, uh, Jonathan Harker and Dracula or, um, or the, the married man in, uh, uh, Philip. House, Philip, uh, not a lot going on. Um, they're just sort not of really. bland, uh, bland, handsome men who don't really do anything. Um, but yeah, uh, Denim, uh, is a very, very complex, is a much more complicated character, uh, maybe more so than any most 1930s characters where you're right he's playing it very close uh to the chest yeah. as to where he lands on any sort of uh moral spectrum um yeah. uh, to the point that he's sort of beyond morality as a filmmaker like and i think that's mm-hmm. supposed to be um the idea i i always i feel like the idea is that sort of he's he's uh somewhere in between the idea that he's in that he wants the story to to play out uh you mm-hmm. know in an exciting way and actually being a person like they're uh seeing the world through through literally through a lens versus actually participating in it um and i think that he's okay. a he's a very fascinating character um uh, and of course he has the the famous uh last line of uh twas you know beauty killed the beast um but uh you know and which again i think ties into the whole you know sexism of the film uh you know that uh was that what they were trying to go for i feel like like when i first started seeing the movie i felt kind of like they were trying to make it like a, a beauty and the beast story somewhat i think yeah like which is why he says that line was beauty that killed the beast which i still don't mm. understand how she killed him but anyways um i just thought that maybe that's what they were trying to go for but then you know there was a lot more undertones going on there yeah that yeah. it became a movie, it became an allegory and a metaphor and very symbolic of other things going on at the time, which I actually think a lot of horror movies do do without even, because a lot of them will say that they didn't even mean to. Yeah. Or it wasn't intentional, but then they, um, George Romero is a good example with Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. When he casted, you know, when he cast a black man as Ben. Yeah. You know, he, in every interview he said, he's like, I cast him because he was the best actor for the part. Like yeah. he won me over for the part. Yes. But he even said after he saw the movie, he realized what he had done without intentionally doing it. But yeah, he the, did make a statement. The death of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, happened uh, shortly after rapping that uh, Romero realized. Yeah, was. yeah that he was uh, what what it what had happened, uh, what he had ended up making inadvertently. Um, right. Yes. So more, I think a lot of horror movies do do that. I mean, maybe yes. even Kong, maybe they weren't intentional about it, but maybe, and maybe not in a negative way. Maybe they were trying to, um, sometimes horror movies are like, we want to show you what's really going on in the world, whether mm-hmm. you like it or not. Some because movies, yeah. the world, you know, the world isn't pretty all the time. It's not rainbows and unicorns. The world can be cruel and mean yeah. and a horrible place to live in. Mm-hmm. And we're going to show you that because you're living inside a bubble, you know, but you need to understand what's going on in the world. So I think something too was show the world what's really going on through a movie mm-hmm. and maybe not be a negative movie, a negative way, just yeah. be like, show them like, this is what's happening because you need to understand this is what's going on. Right. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, it, I just noticed that in some horror movies, and I just know that George Romero with Night of the Living Dead is always the best example of like, someone not being intentional about <laughs> sorry that was my dad <laughs> thanks <Right>. thanks dad <laughs> he just dropped all this <laughs> i know you were <laughs> that's all right we wing it on the show we don't care mm-hmm. hamara's walked in on a thing what was it for 
at the Devil's Ball when Hamara walks in. It's like, da, 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 da. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm so sorry, guys. That's the five-year-old child in the background. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's, you know, I think like Romero is always when I would give the example of The Night of the Living Dead was that yeah. he, after he had made the movie, he realized what he had and what he was representing and what he was presenting to the world to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if maybe King Kong was trying to be maybe was doing the same thing i don't maybe. really know this is the first time i've ever seen the movie yeah maybe. i just know I that mean... every article i read and everything i read and even watching but you know what even in black uh horror noir um a couple of the people kept saying like they liked the movie they didn't yeah. dislike the movie but they did understand mm -hmm. um oh no i'm looking i'm uh, one girl even said she's like um, so here I am, this 10-year-old in a drive-in theater with my mom. But even then, I knew that there was something that horror was saying to me about Blackness, about race. I knew that King Kong was a metaphor for Blackness. But the same, uh, that's Robin Armeens Coleman. Mm -hmm. And she's been in a lot of other ones. But she even says, like, I liked the movie at the same time. She said, I enjoyed the movie. But I knew also what the message was yeah. saying. So, mm -hmm. so well, I'm wondering, like, if... I don't know. Yeah, there's certainly, I mean, I, I certainly don't think it was probably wasn't an accident that a lot of Kong's close-ups very much represent, uh, very much looked similar to a minstrel show. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this wasn't made too long after uh, uh, Birth of a Nation, which had a very similar plot, you know. Um, yes, they talk about, yeah, they talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Birth of a Nation. Nation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Birth of a Nation had a very similar plot you know, an ape-like black man kidnapping a white woman, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that this movie, I, I, I think this movie says more about black, about blackness than it, than it probably intended to. I think it probably says more mm -hmm. about, uh, about uh, misogyny and male chauvinism than it intended mm -hmm. to. Um, and I think that's what makes it, what makes it enduring. Is that it's it's talking about this? I mean, not in uh, Kong just happening to uh, strike a chord um, with mm -hmm. viewers, you know, in a way that, like you even said, like you felt sympathy for him, uh, in the sense that there there is a projection I think that occurs that we we see ourselves in Kong in some way, uh, maybe more than we do any. Uh, I mean, certainly more than we do in Saint Jack. Um, yeah. Yeah, that you know, and I think that that's that's an important uh, thing to to realize. Mm -hmm. um, like, uh, you know, it, it, much like I, I still think, uh, like for example, the Muppet Show has been hitting uh, Disney Plus lately, and it was a oh. big big news um, that yeah. uh, uh, you know, and people got upset. The 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 you know the wrong people got upset uh, over the fact that it has content warnings on episodes that have. Uh, offensive uh representation in it um you know like uh you know you know uh, native american chiefs being portrayed in a particular way or you know um a middle eastern country show in a particular mm -hmm. way in a way that was considered funny in the late 70s at the time yeah right at the time. um that, doesn't that, make it right but right right no, and that's what they that's to... what the content warning says is right that, you know um, we're not editing it out because we think it's still important that people see that this was, you know, that this was the way it was. And uh, right. so, I mean, I think that to a degree, and that's what I mean is that I think that Kong becomes recontextualized mm -hmm. in um, the 21st century uh, as a, as that sort of cautionary tale where I, now I think what, what probably was just a misogynistic movie now reads as mm -hmm. an anti-misogynistic movie. Uh, what mm -hmm. probably was a racist movie now reads as an anti-racism film. Um, and I think that's, that's really uh, quite extraordinary yeah. for a film to, to have come back around in that way. Um, and, uh, and to have, you know, this film has been remade three times and that's, yeah. uh, and probably not for the last time, four times, technically, if you want to count Kong Skull Island, um, that's four, four remakes, one in the sixties, one in the seventies, one in the, I think late nineties and then one in the two thousands. I mean, that uh, 2020, 2010s. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, how, I mean, and looking at it, I'm kind of like, what, what is the appeal that makes this movie remade so many times? But I, I think it's just because he just keeps getting retextualized, recontextualized 
um, as mm-hmm. as something that represents a part of ourselves. For better, or I think he can be. I think probably what it is he he can be used for a metaphor and symbolism in different. Yes, uh, probably for each whatever time or whatever's going on at the time. So in the, I don't know what the early two thousands besides torture porn, mm. but um, you know even at each time you can probably pick out you know icon now horror icon it you know that each decade he's remade and maybe he's reflecting on whatever is going on yeah. in society at the time. You know, he could be representing them, us or them, mm-hmm. you know, so yep. maybe he's just one of those characters that can do that because he can be, I don't know. I just, I've only, this is the first time I've seen this one and I'm happy I saw it. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I've also, I read a lot of, a lot of you know, and they weren't, you know, and a lot of the articles I was reading weren't negative. Right. They weren't saying like, no, it's, this it's is a horrible weird. movie because it, you know, it's talking about this. It was just bringing up like when you watch this movie, you're going to see a lot of allegories and symbolism and metaphors for yeah. these things, because this is what was going on in the 1930s. Right. So you're going to see this represented in the movie. So a lot of them, like I said, even when I was watching um, the history of horror, Eli Ross and people were talking about the movie and on, you know, horror noir, and they weren't talking negatively about the movie either. No. Any of the people, they were no. just stating like a fact, this is what the movie represents. This is what was going on in the world. That's why the movie was representing this is because it was the 1930s. And, you know, it at that time it was a white man's world. And well, I mean, it's, it it's seems like it's always been a white man's world. And that's yeah. really sad to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, nothing against white people because I yeah, I have I'm I, I have Irish in me, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I got it. I some European in me, but I'm like I also got Native American, you know, so like let's just you know, but every it just seems like yeah, like you just said, we we're going back around and it's yeah. back to, you know, a, a white as my mom would have said, a white man's world. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. we should just understand that the world is beautiful and colorful and has many different people because everything I tell my daughter this all the time because everyone is their own unique individual so mm-hmm. and that's who they're supposed to be right and that's what makes the world wonderful is that everyone is different so yeah. why can't we all get along right <laughs> like it just it makes me sad sometimes the world I'm raising my daughter in I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie it is kind of yeah hard that's not the message I'm saying right mm-hmm. but if that made sense. Sorry. Sometimes I, I'm always like, I, I always go back and when I hit or did that come off wrong? Like, and then I laugh at inappropriate times and, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm always wondering, I want to make sure that I'm, I want to make sure that I am respectful to everyone because I do, you know, I, I accept everyone for who they are. Right. I just, I just love people for being that, mm-hmm. you know, for people, I don't care. Yeah. You know, I don't care about that, you know, right. that stuff never bothers me. So, but I always, but I still want to be, for me on this show, like I still want to be respectful of other cultures because sure, there's certain, we're going to talk about certain cultures that aren't in my heritage or blood. So right. I, I always want to know to make sure that I we're sounding respectful to mm-hmm. everybody else out there. And then I listen to myself and I'm like, well, that's not a dumb, that's not a stupid. Sure. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if we're coming up on the hour mark or if there's anything else. I kind of picked up a lot. Of, we talked a lot about the stuff I wanted to talk about. Like, um, like I said, the colonialism was definitely like, I don't think just reflected, you know, like I said, um, the African-Americans It also to me reflected on Native Americans. So, right. you know, and then I was like, oh, I forgot what that was when they were going across. Was it Manifest Destiny when they went across the country? And yes. was Okay. Mm-hmm. See, I do know some history. I it was never good at history. And then what's the old saying? You should know the past because history repeats itself. I couldn't think of it. I can't remember the that's a famous those saying. Who do, those so who when you said we were, we've gone back. Yeah, those who don't understand you know what you want to talk about. Those who don't understand history are doomed to repeat it. Thank you. I I never knew it for word for my mom would always say it to me all the time. Mm-hmm. This is why you need to learn history. This is what I need to know. So and yeah. I can't remember. I forgot it. I kept thinking about it and I should have just gone online and looked it up. But no, I was okay. just like, no, I'll figure it out. Because yeah. that's what I do. And then later on. So I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to 
Uh, no, other than that, it was not uh, Harry Hausen who made uh, who made this film. Uh, made the effects in this film. No, it wasn't. Okay. Um, was it was it? the guy. It was the guy Willis O'Brien who ultimately trained Ray Harryhausen. So. Okay, okay, okay. So O'Brien. Okay, I've heard of that. I heard him's name. Okay. All right, got it. Thank you for mm-hmm. that. I should have looked it up myself, but I just, I was just like, no, I'm pretty sure it's Harryhausen. I think I know that. No, Harryhausen would have been too young. Yes, but I apparently didn't. So I learned something new, mm-hmm. which I like, which I like too. So I like to learn. Yeah. Every day. If you haven't seen the movie, I think it's definitely an important movie to see, especially because it does reflect a lot yeah. on, you know, history. I, you know, I've always said, especially since I start, I wrote that essay was that if you want to learn history and you want to know what was going at the time. So I think this is another movie that does that reflects on that. Yeah. So I think it's a, and it is a staple. He is a horror icon. He is, you know, people know who, even if you've never seen King Kong, you know who King Kong is. Right. You know, it's like Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. You know those names, even if you've never seen the movie. So I still think people out there should watch the movie. It's not a bad movie. It's not a horrible movie. Um, I will say that what I liked about it was that it was very fast paced. It didn't stop. And there was never a part where I was like, wow, I'm really bored right now. It just kept going. Yeah. Very it's, it's, like. It's ordinary it, film. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think everyone out there. Yeah. Go watch King Kong 1933. I think, you know. And, you know, or don't, but I think you should, because, yeah. you know, I actually watched this one straight through when I couldn't even watch the 2005 one. So mm-hmm. not that I'm putting it down. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> so, okay. All right. We'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you everyone for joining us here today on Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. Again, I'm your host, Sarah Sin, with my partner in crime, Nathaniel. Twas BD killed the beast, everyone. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the show. Again, thank you for listening to me ramble on and on. Um, And I just want to remind everyone out there that there's a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy. So thank you. Mm -hmm.